0: Thank you, Lord. God's with us, isn't he? Who is thankful that God never leaves us and never forsakes us? Amen. We are in a strange time in history. Who believes that? (laughs) I hear some laughing. (laughs) You know, we wonder what other generations thought. All we can do is, you know, look at history and and read, you know, what they said and And one way, like I mentioned recently, we can go all the way back to the Bible. I mean, Paul was like, get ready because he's coming soon. The disciples are asking Jesus is now the time. You know, you're going to restore the kingdom now. So this has been the mindset for 2,000 years that things are changing. The Lord is coming. The worst thing we could do right now is to say what the Bible prophesies that the world would say and say, well, it's been 2,000 years and that's what they've been saying right? There finally comes a day, right? All the preparation. Who's, been, who's prepared for something in your life for like a season? Who's gone through college or you were in a sport and you had to train, train, train? Who has gone through some sort of training or season, right? And you know what happens? Uh, all that training was not just, you know, to get you in physical shape or mental shape, but it was for the, the final purpose of application, right? Of whatever that was. And so, You know, the Lord's been preparing His church for 2,000 years, which means we are getting very, very close, aren't we? Amen. We are right on the cusp of it. If we weren't close before, we are close now. We are close to His return. Amen. And I'm excited. Who's excited for the Lord's return, right? We we, uh, grew up talking about it so much, and then... You know, you kind of, it's just the world we live in. You get lulled to sleep about the Lord's coming. You know, you know about it. I mentioned this recently, but we need to be refreshed about it, be reminded about it, and be excited. In fact, uh, Casey was just asking me, he said, you know, when do you start talking to the kids about it? Because they're little. And I said, you should be talking to them now. We just don't tell them all the evils of the world, right? But right now, like Dawn's suitcase ready at three years old for Jesus' return, right but we should be talking to them now just prepping their hearts that things are going to change and that there's a lot of lies that are being spoken right now and they you know don't think they're too young don't think your children don't understand you have to dial your own mind back and remember when you were like 10 and your parents were talking in code and you they thought that you know that you didn't understand what they were saying but you remembered everything still to this day right my parents after church we would know if we were going to Pizza Hut because there was a certain code that they would do. But my brother and I never told my parents that we knew their code. So we would look at each other in the back seat because we knew we were going to Pizza Hut after church. (laughs) Your kids do know. They do understand. And we should be talking to them about this time that we live in and not be afraid to talk to them. Listen, if we don't do it, I mentioned this last week, talking about food. If we're not fed by the word, the devil will feed us. If you're not giving them information, giving them truth, the world will give them a false truth. It will fill their minds with its own truth. So we need to bring the true truth so that it counters the false truth as it tries to come into our minds. In fact, that's part of what I want to get into today. We've been talking about manna, and I feel like the Lord led us as a church to talk about manna because it was something supernatural that God did. Who knows that? Who knows that, the, that when God brought manna into the earth, it was supernatural. And if you look at the spiritual implications of what was actually happening at that moment for New Testament Bible-believing, Jesus uh, on the cross, off the cross, resurrected Christians. That's a mouthful. For us to look back at manna, it was a very supernatural thing that happened, and we've been summing it up basically uh, that it was a supernatural substance from God, and it was placed on the earth to sustain his people while they waited to enter the promised land. Wow, does anybody get anything prophetic from that? God put a supernatural thing from heaven. It was not from this earth. He brought something from heaven down to the earth to take care of his people while they waited to enter the promised land. Amen. Who knows that that is, and we've been talking about this, is the word of the Lord. It's the word of God. It's our Bible. It's Jesus Christ himself because he is the word made flesh. The word is Jesus and Jesus is the word. And so it was more than bread that God was doing, and actually what he was teaching them was penned down to teach us today. Amen. And that is what Jesus quoted to Satan. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And what Jesus was saying, because he was hungry, he was weak, that even if his body dies... That even if he were to die of starvation, he has a sustenance that is greater than the physical. He is not about... And remember, Satan tempted him with three things. He tempted him with all flesh. It was all about this earth. It was all about him. Jesus, make your name known. Make yourself known. Give yourself what you need. And that's going to be exactly what Satan's going to do to us, and that's what what he's doing now. Satan is trying to offer... The world, the world, and he's going to try to offer us as Christians. Just because we're Christians doesn't mean. In fact, that means he's going to double down for us. Everybody say double down. Satan's double downing. Anybody know what double downing is? Annie does. (laughs) Sorry, Annie. (laughs) We've played poker together. Double downing. I'm going to double my bet. Satan's doubling his bet against Christians. He he tried to do it against Jesus. It didn't work. We have Christ in us, don't we? It's not going to work, but what he's going to try to do is offer this world, offer flesh, offer satisfaction, offer you the chance to enjoy this life so that you don't have to suffer, give you the opportunity to go and be free and do in this earth. Ultimately, look at, I mean, look what's going on in the earth, where we're headed. We are ultimately headed one day. You guys know this, for the mark of the beast, and you will neither buy nor sell. Ultimately, where we will get to is a place where unless you submit and and bow your knee to Satan, you will not be able to operate in this system any longer. Do you understand that? That's the Bible, which means we need to get ourselves mentally and spiritually and even physically prepared today. We need to be ready now. At this moment, before that day comes, and we're caught off guard, and we lower our uh, our guard down and basically give in to our fleshly impulses instead of trusting the Lord. In fact, I read an article from, uh, it was uh, it, from 1945-ish, 1946. You know those old uh, Saturday evening posts that used to come out, Right? And uh, from back in the day, and it was an article uh, from now that's almost 80 years later. And it's an article about how if the war wasn't in the U.S., right, but war was going on and we were involved. But if it had come into our country and if some sort of, you know, the, the nuclear atomic stuff was just being talked about and if it were to hit here, that it would take, and they did it all with science and all these calculations, it would take three days for American society to shut down. Day one, people are hungry and they get scared and they don't know what to do and, no, and suddenly, you know, they need toilet paper and we go out and we buy $10,000 in toilet paper. Don't tell me it doesn't happen and it can't happen. We saw it, we saw the preview of this just last year. Day two, people start getting really aggressive. Day three, people start killing. Like, literally, that's it. It's just, at the end of the day, without Christ, we are just animals. We were just talking about this recently. An animal, all that it thinks about is survival, right? And it doesn't care if you get in its way. It will fight for its own survival at the end of the day. Even a mother animal will try not to abandon the young. But there's a point, and I've seen this. I've actually watched this happen. There's a point where even the mother will then finally abandon. That's how Dawn has a cat. That's where our cat came from. Because the mother tried to stick around, and eventually the mother leaves, and leaves behind a kitten. Because their instinct is survival, and that's, it's an animal nature, and without Christ, we are in, part we're in that. That's this, and you can see that. I'm going to read some verses today that's going to really talk about how that is what is in us without Christ. And the Lord, uh, he scoops all that junk out of us. Thank God that we're put through the furnace like like gold, right? We're purified. He's... The gold is, is thrown into the heat, and the, the impurities come out. Who's thankful that the Lord pulls those things out of us? That, that's not who we are. But we need to be prepared mentally and spiritually and even physically for that. So we need to be focused on the Lord, focused on His Word like never before, and the Lord will sustain us until we enter the promise, which is in Christ— but Christ's full fulfillment, yes, and spiritually we are already entered into it, but our physical body will finally enter into heaven with him one day. Amen. So what I want to talk about today is really talking about how there is that flesh, and there is a spirit within you, and they are at war with each other. And whether we realize it or not, And it's only going to be by the power of the word, even more than ever, that we'll be able to be sustained. And that's what I've been talking about these last couple of weeks. So I wanted you to look in your word to the book of Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews 4, you guys know where I'm going already. Mature Christians, you know the verse I'm turning to. Hebrews 4 verse 12, it says, For the word of God is alive. It is living. The word of God is living. It is alive. God's word is alive. And why? Because God spoke it. God doesn't do anything dead. You know, the only thing that's dead is without God. The Bible says we were dead in our sins. And why? Because we were without God. Right? There is nothing dead in God. The only thing dead is without God. So if God spoke it, it is alive. And ultimately, that pointed to Christ because the word of God is Christ. Jesus said Talking to the disciples, when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to remind you of what I've said, and that's the Gospels. Isn't that awesome? So when I read the Gospel, even though, you know, uh, a man sat down with a quill of some sort, and some sort of parchment paper or, you know, whatever, right? Something physical, and wrote it out, and it's been penned down, and it's been copied, and now it's been printed, and now it's on an iPad the power behind the words is just as powerful as when god imagined it in his mind before time began isn't that incredible so the word of god and this is the attack the attack today satan's greatest attack that he will put into place even more than ever against the church is to attack the word of god that will be the attack because whenever someone sins, whenever someone's pulled away, whenever someone backslides, it might seem harsh and it might, you know, we're not trying to get into judgment against a person. We're called to pray and to stand beside them and bring them back into the kingdom. That's what the Word tells us to do, not to stand and judge them. But when you, what you can see is that a lot of the church is deciding that some of the Word is not as relevant as the rest of the Word. In fact, not just not relevant, but let's just cut it out altogether because it doesn't apply anymore. And so, it's because of this that Satan's doing that. Because Satan knows, you know that Satan knows more than you do in your human mind. In Christ, he's no match. You in your flesh, you are no match. Does that make sense? Right? Right? In your human mind, you will lose the battle every time. You cannot fight against Satan. You're not supposed to stand against him in your own strength. You cannot do it. We have to do it in the Lord. And this is why he wants us to get rid of the word and to not read it. This is why he wants us to just make it, you know, as small part of our Christian life as possible, because the Bible says of itself that it is living and powerful, that it's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, you might know it as a double-edged sword because it cuts on its way in and cuts on the way out. We used to call that in Christianity that it cuts, which hurts, but then as it comes back out, it's also healing, the double edge. It's cutting between your soul. Everybody say, my soul. You know what my soul is? My soul is my emotions. It's how I feel. It's what I think. It's what I want. It's me, and it's my perception. And your spirit. And your spirit was really designed in perfection. The spirit is not corrupted. It's just ruled by the soul. God didn't mess up. Your spirit, even the spirit that finally goes to hell, it just didn't bow its knee. It did not submit to Christ, but it was not corrupt. God has, doesn't give us a new spirit. He takes your spirit and he unites it with Christ's spirit. Does that make sense? He takes your spirit, and it becomes one with Christ. So, and the Bible tells us clearly when God looks through the mercy seat, he looks through the blood of Jesus, he doesn't even see you. He sees his son. And that's because our soul, man, at that point has bowed its knee. It, is, it has finally come in submission to the word of God, to the Lord. And so the word has this amazing ability that only the Word does, and it's, what is o- it's the only thing that is able to get inside of us and get in between all the thoughts and opinions. Now, I just want us to be honest with ourselves. In the modern society we live in today, who has at times, after spending some time with the Lord and spending some time in the Word, maybe it was a season, maybe it was years, and you were a Christian already, and suddenly you realize, you know what? My thinking in this area has been influenced by the world, and I didn't even know it, and I'm a believer, and I knew I was going to heaven, but that thinking is not right. And, and, and I only know that because as I read the Word and as I believe the Word, the Word is exposing and it's showing what the truth is over my flesh. Amen. Who, who has experienced something like that? And so the Bible says of itself that it cuts between our soul and our spirit, between joint and marrow, and it gets inside of us. I love this. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Why do we need the Word of God to do this? Because the Bible says in Jeremiah 17, verse 9, that the human heart... Is the most deceitful of all things. It is desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? But I, the Lord, search the heart. I search all hearts and I examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. The Bible says... We need the Word of God to divide our heart, because in Jeremiah, Old Testament, we had a heart condition. We had an issue, and the Lord is a good surgeon. Who knows that he is a good father. He is a good surgeon. God knows what he's doing. He's planning things out. We're removing him from everything in society, and we're making things up as we go along. But God, in his wisdom, all along has had a plan. Amen. And his plan was ultimately for Christ, and Christ is alive, and he's speaking today, even present tense, in this room. As I read the word of the Lord, Jesus is speaking in this room to your heart. Just by me reading this word, by being his son, by being his servant, and bringing the word to you, the Lord is speaking to your heart today. And it's because we need him to do that, because the Bible says that inside of us there's secret motives, and there's wickedness and we don't even know it's there. Who's thankful that the Lord's done that in your life? Who has looked back? <laughs> nobody likes this process. Anybody like like that process? You like the result. Anybody like open heart surgery without without uh, some sort of numbing? Cuz that's what it feels like. The Lord rips out your heart and is doing work on it. It's not the Lord. You know what that pain is? It's our resistance. If we would just let God do it, it wouldn't be painful. It's only painful because you're like, I don't want to forgive. If we had just forgiven to begin with, if we had just given like He told us, if we had just been obedient, then the pain wouldn't be there. But the pain is there because we've resisted and now we've made a mess and the Lord's trying to work it out. And really, it's like that little child that's fighting the bandage. You know, who's ever had a bandage ripped off? It's quick and painless. To, you know, to an extent, maybe to a little baby, it hurts a little. But the fighting of it, you know, is pulling a hair or two at a time because you're like, no, and then it's one hair, two hairs. Who's ever had that? <laughs> maybe boys more than girls, unless you have hairy arms as women. But as guys, it's kind of painful to take off a bandit slow. The Lord's like, just let me deal with it. Just let's get that thing off of there. Let's just deal with it. No, and we're, trying, we're fighting when it's one hair at a time. It's this long, drawn-out process. We need the Lord to do it in us because our hearts, because of the fall, are wicked. Now, I prayed just during prayer, and I pray most weeks what David prayed to the Lord. I'm not concerned that my heart is wicked. Don't get condemned because David said, Lord, give me your heart. And the Bible says God loved David's prayer. God loved David, it seems like. More than anybody in the entire word. And God loved that he said, I want your heart. So the Lord today is saying to us, I'm not condemning you that you have a wicked heart, but give me your heart and I will give you mine. Amen. And we say to him, well, how are you going to do that? The Lord says, very easy. Open your word. My entire heart is there on the pages. Incredible, isn't it? And yet the world wants to make this some archaic book, irrelevant, Uh, it doesn't apply, And, and the devil has done a good job today of making it religious and not as powerful as it is, and that's only because we've let him do that. It has not changed, God's word has not changed, it is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and the Bible says of itself again, in Psalm 119, it says that his word, 105, it's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The word of God is a lamp to my feet and it's a light to my path. We need to be clear about this. In this earth is darkness. If you think that light is going to suddenly come on this earth, don't be deceived it's going to come, yes, we are lights on this earth. The Bible says, Jesus literally said to us, you are the light to this world, and there will be a light that will come. It will be Christ, and believe me, it's coming. He is coming. His light is coming. But that day is not coming without great darkness beforehand. That's my Bible. Who believes your Bible? We are in darkness, and we are headed into gross darkness the bible calls it darker than we can imagine i just said to my parents yesterday right my parents are in their 60s and now i'm like i'm where i can like i have full memory i was old enough to fully like you know i was thinking about where i was going to go in life and things that like when they were my age this is strange and now I'm talking about their parents. My grandfather's left, my grandmother's left, my other grandfather's left, it's only my one grandmother left. Imagine her, if she could fully, full, if, if we took her out into society and fully gave her, if she could fully understand what's actually happening out there, what she would think, right? I mean, I just can't, I can't even, if my grandfather, I was. what we were laughing about is my pop, <laughs> <laughs> Graham's husband. If he was around today, Graham used to say to him, Dave, you promised no politics at dinner. And this was a long time ago. <laughs> imagine today. I can't even imagine. I think the Lord was gracious to him at 93. He's like, I, I Dave, you're not gonna be able to bear it. You're just not gonna, you're not gonna be able to understand that you went through the Great Depression, that you guys literally had to, had to scrape for food, and now you've got this society that is so, um, they'll never have enough, you can never give them enough, ungrateful, unthankful. We're going to read those verses in Romans. It's here, guys. It's here. It's not just that it's coming. We are entering into the time that the Bible has been talking about for thousands of years, and we need... The Lord. Amen. We need Him more than ever. We need to be led by the Word and by the Holy Spirit and not our emotions. When I was spending time here just putting the Word together for today, I felt like the Lord spoke that this is the time of emotion. And it's, we've been, society has been getting more and more emotional. Listen, I'm not advocating certain television shows, but just the show The Office would not exist today. I'm not saying as a Christian that you should or shouldn't watch it. That's not what I'm doing today, if you're listening to this in the podcast. But just some of the things that they laughed about and joked about, it's not that long ago. We're only talking 15 years ago that it started, barely, 14 years ago. And it would not exist today because nobody, this is the world, the world wouldn't tolerate their own humor because it's too touchy. Everybody now, their feelings are getting hurt more than ever. Well, I mean, I'm not making fun of anyone that gets their feelings hurt, but it's, we have entered a time where it's pure emotion. That should be an indicator. This is not me making fun of people. What I'm indicating is that people are being led by that emotional part of them more than ever. You guys get what I'm saying? That they can't take, literally, no one can take anything. No one can take a joke anymore. No one can say anything to anybody. You can't even call, I can't even call him a him. I don't even know what that means. I refuse to call Aaron a they. I don't care what they say to me. I'm not calling him a they. Because that's a him. Because my Bible says it's a him. At some point, we're going to have to go back to the guidebook you know, when the ship gets spun around in the storm, you don't just say, Well, this way feels good. That way feels good. I like that over there. You get back, you get your eyes back on the stars, and they found true north. And they get their compass working again, and they get back on track. We got spun around in the storm right now in, in history and in society, and it's time we get back to the word as weird and as strange as the world will claim it is that's the devil do you understand why because the devil is trying to keep us from what i just read in hebrews that there is a power that he is afraid of that when christians actually let the word of god do its work in them they become like christ and you know what happened the last time christ was on the earth the earth shook the bible said that it quaked. The Bible says that when Jesus was on the earth, religion split in two by his power. Amen. And that's what he's afraid of. And see, society is going to try to pressure you. The world's going to try to pressure you today that you can't say that. You can't say that. What do you mean I can't say that? I need you to explain to me what you mean by I can't say him. Give me an explanation based upon history. (laughs) Not just based upon your feelings. Based upon some sort of substance. Not just that you are offended by that. Because you know what? I'm being mean to you right now, whoever you are. But I know it's not you. It's Satan behind you. Even Peter got emotional. Can you believe that? Peter, the rock... Got emotional. Jesus said, Satan, get behind me. It's time we call Satan, Satan. Wow. Whoa. It's time we start calling Satan, Satan. I'm not saying you can get on YouTube, and I'm not advocating you go into Poughkeepsie and start pointing your finger at Satan, okay? Probably won't go great. But let's start calling it what it is. Even Peter, Jesus said to him, Satan, get behind me. Satan, get behind me. He said, you are thinking of things. I love how the NLT says it, because he goes, you are thinking of things in a human way. And then he starts talking to Peter. He's talking to Satan, but he's talking to Peter. Peter, you're thinking of things humanly and not spiritually. I love this. If you were doing our Bible reading together, we just read this in Malachi. Who loves what I'm about to read? Malachi chapter 3, it says in verse 14, you have said, this is the Lord speaking to, And he's coming through, the prophet, and he's talking to the people and listening to what they're saying and and replying. And he said, what's the use of serving God? What have we gained? When I read that word, I just thought, wow, God, that's what it is. The only way that we can get a Christian to be a Christian today is to offer them something, a gain, some sort of a gain. And of course we have a gain. I have a gain. It's called eternity. It's called freedom. It's called life itself. I mean, real life, not fake matrix life. I mean, real life. I have gained something. I've gained more than I could possibly even understand or express today. But what can we gain in this earth? What can I gain physically by obeying his commands or by trying to show the Lord of heaven's armies that we are sorry for our sins? From now on, This is the world. Actually, this was his people, and that's the danger. But this is certainly what the world will say today. From now on, we will call the arrogant blessed. For those who do evil get rich. Who has noticed that? Who has noticed the more evil you are, the richer you get? Seems very easy. It seems too easy for the evil, those with an agenda against Christians. And those who dare God to punish them suffer no harm. Wow. Ever heard that before? Ever heard the world say, you know, Christians, being a Christian is hard. Why would I want to be a Christian? I'm in the world. Everything's easy. I love this, though. Come on, guys. If you know Malachi 3, you know where I was going. Verse 16 says, then those. Come on, this is us. I think we should read this out loud. Who wants to read it with me? Then we, okay, I'll read it. Then we who feared the Lord, we spoke with each other, and the Lord listened to us on this Sunday, and in his presence a scroll of remembrance was written to record the names of those in this room who feared him and always thought about the honor of his name. It says in verse 17, they will be my people, says the Lord of heaven's armies. On the day when I act in judgment, they will be my own special treasure. I will spare them as a father spares an obedient child then you will again see the difference between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. Church, there will be a day where the distinction is going to be made by God. And in the meantime, it will get to the place where even the church says, I'm not going to follow the Bible anymore because all it does is get me in trouble. Every time we preach the word, more people leave the church. Every time we mention repentance and sin, less people come. I get more flack on YouTube against me as a pastor. I'm not doing it anymore. We're going to make it really easy. Just come, hang out, come as you are. Don't ever change. We'll make the music really cool. Lots of smoke, pretty close to a concert kind of close to a Starbucks out there. We'll have a whole bunch of social events just like Hell's Angels do. You know the Hell's Angels are one of the biggest groups of people that give away toys at Christmas? Uh, That's true. It can't just be social things, comfortable things. I'm going to read it. We're supposed to be uncomfortable when we hear the word so that it gets inside of us and says, wow, something's not right. Something is, is off in me, and by hearing the word of God, I'm recognizing it, and I want to change. Who came to Christ like that? Anybody here come to Christ because you're like, well, um, I love drugs, but the Bible's pretty cool too. No. It took that brokenness. It took the exposure to your weakness and that there was a solution that would free you from your brokenness and from your hurt, from your pain, from your bitterness, etc. And that's why you became a Christian because he was willing to free you and you said, yes. Now we're offering people to free them and they don't know what they're being freed from because they don't change. Now it's just a ticket to heaven. It's like a happy meal. And that's not the gospel. We need to give people the real gospel. We need to be aware of the real gospel. And today, as a church, we need to get this word in us because I'm telling you, I'm being bombarded just like you are. I am being bombarded with visual and audible stimulation from this world, right? I'm seeing everything you guys are. I'm hearing everything you are. And it's all against God. It's all just about me, myself, and I. It's all about how I feel, and it's all about society and being care— you know, it's all for the greater good of all of us. It's all about all of us. It all sounds good in your ears, and that's why it's emotional. Do you know that you are being manipulated when you watch a puppy commercial? It's not that those puppies don't need to be adopted, but don't think you're also not being manipulated— that's the truth. They know how to do it. They've came, came up with a formula to manipulate you. But they're like, I don't know how to get these puppies adopted, so we have to manipulate society. So in one respect, I don't blame them that they do it, but the slow music and like, you know, the sad puppy, the tears. I mean, it's a real thing, so they, that commercial needs to be there, but just, I just want us to be aware so that we acknowledge we're being manipulated. That's light. That doesn't matter. But do you realize that's in everything? You know, they're slipping things into ch- cartoons. They slip it into the children's doctrine at school. They're slipping it in so that it's the Bible. See, I grew up with this word called desensitized. We don't say that word much anymore. But we've been desensitized. You know what that means? Senses. means your senses. You know why God gave us senses? Who likes touching hot things? Anybody love touching hot things and getting burned? Anybody love touching the pinpoint of a needle and saying, that feels good? Okay, well, God gave us senses to survive. We're supposed to be able to say, that's hot. Probably shouldn't touch that again. That's sharp. Maybe you want to keep my finger away from that. Your gut has a feeling in heights for a reason. You know the, the saying, trust your gut? Why is that's not even, We can't even talk like that anymore. That's, you know, that sounds, that sounds like God has nothing to do with it. It's, that came from God. God designed your gut when you walk towards the edge of the cliff. Who gets that feeling? I know Jeannie does. Top of my staircase. and Lena reached for my railing on my staircase like this like is this railing in the right position I just I can't tell like it's fine for me because I don't use it but like is that the right spot but there's something inside you that says I should be careful right here and so the devil what he does is he dulls all those senses And then you have conversations with people that go something like this. Well, you know, I used to think this, but they're not really bad people. Sounds good. That sounds good. That sounds right. They're not bad people. Well, okay, conversation in person. Let's put you on the shelf for a minute. Let's just go to the Word. See, once we go to the Word, everything they're saying comes back into relativity. See, we just, we create our own relative based upon society and feelings and emotions and all these things. And let's bring it back to the word. Ready? Jesus said, there's no one good. No, not one. So when you say, well, they're not bad people, or you say something like this, but they're so nice. Who's ever heard that? Anybody ever heard that phrase? But they're so nice. You know what we're saying? We're saying... I know the truth, but I'm going to come up with a way to be able to deal with what the devil says is okay, but my gut says it's not. We go to the Word, and the Word says to us, There's no one good, that all have fallen short of the glory of God, that all need to turn, that we all need repentance. So then, what I say is, You know what? You're right. They're not a bad person in the natural, but they're evil to God, just as evil as I am. And we all need Christ, and we all need to repent from our sins. And we shouldn't highlight, I'm sorry that we've highlighted your sin above mine. That I'm sorry for. And the devil did that on purpose so that he could try to create this false sense of sins that are bad and sins that are okay, to lull the, sleep, the church to sleep. And then, meanwhile, within the church, and it's been coming out for the last 20 years, all, we were just talking about, you know, some of the pastors that have fallen, and I don't, I'm not judging them, I won't mention their names, because that's not my purpose here, but things that have come out, because the devil just made that, you know, inside the church, it's all okay, and it's all hidden and all secret. You go to the Bible. I mean, you go to their story, and what you'll find is that they, at some point, they stopped reading their word. It's the same story every time. At some point, they started relying on what they know. Somehow, what they used to know about the word became, becomes like this knowledge in their brain, and then they start living by their impulses and by their senses on what they know and not by the word itself. And so the Bible says, one day the Lord's going to deal with it. In the meantime. We have the word of God that we must decide we're going to listen to and follow, even though it looks like the wicked get richer, the wicked are blessed, and we suffer. We must decide the Lord will be our judge one day. I'm not going to look with my natural eyes. I had so many verses here, but just quickly, Proverbs 9, he talks about how don't even try We're going to call Satan, Satan, but again, I don't mean that to you go out there and you do that with people. Because Proverbs 9 says, you rebuke a mocker, they're just going to insult you. You give someone wisdom who's wise, and they're going to accept it. You reject someone who's wise, you you tell them, hey, you're wrong, and they're going to thank you because they want to become wiser. They want to have more wisdom. Romans 1. I want to just go to this because I really wanted to read this today. Romans 1. Verse 21, it says, Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God. I want you to say that out loud. They knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God. You know what the difference between knowing God and worshiping God? Does anybody know? It's not your hands raised. I want to this is a trick question because. Immediately your mind says worship is on a Sunday, there's music, you raise your hands if you feel like it, you sing loud to the Lord. You know what worship is? It's obedience. That's all it is. Because, I mean, that's all that this is. You don't have to raise your hands to worship God, by the way, but that's what this is. like, I surrender whatever you say, God, just like we would do to a police officer. Puts the gun out, I give up. I give up. I surrender. What are you doing? I'm submitting to that law. I may not like his law, and in fact, I might just be afraid of his gun. But one way or the other, I've submitted to the law that is putting me in this position. And so worship is not a song, but we do do sing worship songs. They would not obey him. They knew him. Listen, how many people... Jesus walked on the earth in the flesh. He literally walked in their crowds. And how many people knew Jesus? Thousands upon thousands, if not millions upon millions, knew Jesus. And yet only 120 were in the upper room after the cross. Now I'm confident that there were other, the Bible tells me, the Bible says that many of the Jews were secretly Christians, right? We know that. The Bible also says that he told the demoniac, I want you to stay here. So I'm not saying there's only 120 people that believed in Jesus, but proportionally to the crowds and crowds and crowds and crowds and crowds that he talked to and did miracles in front of and loved them and blessed them and, and, and did not curse them and judged them, He came just to give them life, offer them the way to life, and they rejected him. We must be aware that today we are going to be the minority. We are always going to be the minority, and if you're waiting for a day that we become the majority, I think you're going to be disappointed Jesus said, when I come back again, I'm not even going to be able to find faith. The, the scripture says, will I find faith? Question mark. Like I'm not sure. I, God knows. You understand the, the scripture. God knows. And the Bible says here in Romans 1, it says, so what happened is, because they wouldn't be obedient to God and his word, this is what happens. They began to think up foolish ideas. They just started to say, well, this is what I think. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? We'll just start adding ideas and until it becomes so messy. <laughs> it's so messy, filled with ideas, that I don't blame the world, and nor do I think that the Lord does. I don't understand it all. I know that we're judged by the light that we know. I don't understand. It was, it's up to the Lord how He's going to judge this world. Because if I was God, which I'm not, and I looked at this world, I would have compassion on the people of this world of saying, I don't blame you that you don't know which way's up right now because it's been so confusing. Because literally everything and anything goes like never before. Simultaneously, the Lord is looking at his church and saying, I've given you the truth and I've given you the light. Not every single person is going to listen to you, but they are desperate for direction. If we will just point them and the, they're so desperate for direction, <laughs> they would be open to any direction. And thank God we have the right one. They're literally choosing any direction that feels right. So imagine if we give them the right direction. The Bible says, just quickly here, because I I know we're out of time here, it says that they became, they, they started thinking of these foolish ideas, and what God was like, and you know, I think this, and I think God's like that, right? Whoever, who hears people say that, this is what I think, this is what I feel, I think God did this, I like this about Jesus, I don't like that about Jesus, Paul wasn't really a Christian, you know, he didn't, you know, he was really mean to women, and uh, I, n- I know that's part of our Bible, but so I'm just going to cut him out. I like Jesus, though. Don't like the Old Testament. Don't really like the stuff about him on the cross, though. But I do like the love stuff. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Is Romans 1 talking about 2021? Is Romans 21 talking about 21? 22. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. We know more about you, Christians, about creation, than you. Don't be foolish. Seven days? Come on. It's 5.2 billion years. How do I know that? Don't ask me, but I know that. Carbon dating? Come on. It's just science. Well, that's funny. That's interesting. Because, uh, How hard is it for God to do it in seven days? I don't think he needed seven milliseconds. We're talking about the creator and the creation. That's like my computer talking back to me. When we put it in those terms, it sounds really dumb, doesn't it? Imagine your computer keeps arguing with you. What do you do with a computer that argues with you for 20 years? Who lets it last that long? Thank God for his grace and mercy. Do you realize how gracious God is? Imagine your creation. You created this computer and all it does is talk back to you all the time. And every time you click that mouse to do what you've told it to do, you are literally giving it the honor of serving you. It's there like you created this thing for and you're gonna have enjoyment and it's gonna be part it's gonna have this time with you. Gonna get to stare at you. Don't think they're not staring at you. That's why they put those cameras there. Not conspiracy anymore. They used to say that there were cameras behind the screens. And they're like, eh, people don't care anymore. Just put them on the top. I'm serious. TVs. When I was a kid, there's, there's cameras inside the TVs. They're watching you. You're not just watching it. They're watching you. And then everybody's like, that's conspiracy. So then the, they're like, hey, you want an Alexa in your room so they can listen to everything you say? How about having a camera on your phone? Put it next to your bedstand, Facing your face while you sleep. Not conspiracy anymore, is it? Mm, I wonder what else is conspiracy that's not really conspiracy. Come on, are we not close? Anyway, they, they traded the truth for, a, I, I really wanted to read this, I'm sorry. They traded the truth about God for a lie. They worshiped the, and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, right? That's the dolphins and the whales, and I'm all for saving whales. I love the ocean, I love God's creation, but right, save the dolphins, kill the babies. That's a great bumper sticker. Uh, They worship God, uh, worship the creation instead of God, and it says, their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, gossip. They're backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, boastful. They invent new ways of sinning. They disobey their parents. They refuse to understand. They break their promises. They're heartless. They have no mercy. Does this sound like society? They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway, and worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. Wow. God has been so gracious to us. He's been so good to us. He's been so kind to us and so merciful to us, but we have entered this time, and foolishness is the new way of thinking, and truth is and life in the Bible, that's archaic, that's old, we're bigots, we're, we don't understand, we're, we're, we are, we're, we're just, we just need to die, we just need to get off the earth, that's what they would wish, we just need to go away, because it would be better. And we just thank you, Lord Jesus, let's turn this into a prayer, thank you, Lord Jesus, that your plan and purpose will be fulfilled. I thank you, Lord, it does not matter What the enemy does or says, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that your word and its power will not change. We will not be darkened and we will not become this list ourselves, God, because of the power of your word that sifts out all that infiltration, all those thoughts, all those feelings that are constantly bombarding us, I thank you, Lord, today that your word is a barrier. It's a sifter of those things, Lord God, and your truth. I pray your truth, God, would become so clear like never before that your word is relevant today as it was when you imagined it. I pray, God, that it would enter our hearts in a fresh and a new way, and we would not be ashamed of the truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you.